0: You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Uh, Now I'm going to read to you from Psalms 106. Um, this is god 's word. It says, neither did our fathers destroy the enemies in the land as you had commanded them, but they mingled themselves with their enemies and learned to copy the works of darkness. What were some of the works of darkness? well uh, one the first thing was sexual sin. The first thing they begin to copy is the sexual sin of the of the people that were around them. The culture. Of, of other nations, the culture uh, outside the kingdom of God. Any any ungodly culture, the first thing that happens is sexual sin begins to take place. And so they begin to, uh, to operate in sexual sin. And then through sexual sin, they were introduced to all forms of witchcraft, palm reading, you know, tarot cards, all this witchcraft that we see in our country and we see around the world, quite frankly, that many people believe in that stuff more than they do in, the, in God. I know people. And there's more witches than you think that live in Roswell and live in our state. And, and there's more witches than you, you would ever want to know. And so so the first thing is sexual sin, then it's witchcraft, and then they go into idol worship, and that all leads to idol worship, and then the, the final thing they begin to do is this. He said, they begin to serve their gods and bow before their idols. All of this led them away from and brought about their downfall. They even sacrificed their little children to the demon spirits, shedding the innocent blood of their sons and daughters. These dark practices greatly defiled the land and their own souls through the murder. everybody say murder the murder and bloodshed of their own babies. God considers it murder it 's it 's not a, a woman 's health care issue they 've Satan's done a great job of making it a health you know, rename. He renames everything. He, he understands the power of words. So it's like health care, health care, health care. How can you be against a woman's health care? Well, no one's against a woman's health care. What we're against is, is that someone would violate and kill a baby in the name of their, calling it health care. God calls it murder and says it's taking innocent blood. You know, it's shameful that in our state that only 52% of eligible voters showed up to vote last night over the week, and I bet you 20-plus percent of those were, would call themselves a Christian. We could carry everything in our state if the Christians would just vote, and I'll tell you why they don't, because I, I'm just going to be really frank with you tonight. Is it okay? Yes. I'm just going to be frank. The panty waist in the pulpit, these guys are a bunch of sissies and they lack any courage to speak up. And because of that, that's why their people lack courage. That's why they don't encourage them to vote. And I thank God there's, there's several. We're not alone. There's several other churches. The most of them are the small churches. We're the only large church in our city that speaks up from the pulpit. But there's a lot of pastors that, that uh, pastor smaller congregations or churches. church. They speak up all the time. They take the same stands we take. And guys, this is deeply spiritual to God. The culture of a nation, and a culture of nations led by its leaders, the culture and the, the demonic. Either they have the Holy Spirit or demonic spirits on them. Leaders who have the Holy Spirit—that there's a difference in them than people that have a demonic spirit. Now, I already saw someone walk out. I'm going to tell you something. Don't let the door hit you with a good Lord split you if you don't want to take a stand for things that are right. I'm I am i I'm fed up, guys. My heart is so grieved over the thousands of children that'll be murdered in our state because Michelle Lulon Grissom, she's the biggest mass murderer in the state of New Mexico. She will will want to kill more babies than any. She's already vowed that she's going to build multiple abortion clinics in her state to compensate for Texas and Oklahoma laws and Arizona laws. She wants to kill as many babies as she could possibly get her hands on. I tell you, I challenge people. These people that are pro-abortion, I challenge them, go watch one. Watch the movie Silent Screen. But they don't want to watch that stuff. They don't want to see it. They don't want to experience it. And they don't want to deal with women that have had abortions that will tell them the horror story of their life until, unless they find Jesus. They deal with physical issues, emotional, spiritual, and mental issues mostly throughout their entire life over it. And and these, these women that are celebrating their abortions, I'm telling you right now, look at their personal lives. Just look at their personal lives. You know what it all comes down to is that. You know, when I, would, when I talk to people about, about serving Jesus or serving whatever they want to serve, I always make it personal. Why? Because it is personal. Yeah. Really, it comes down to what's your life like and what's my life like? Because Jesus said, you'll, you'll know them by their fruit. Then he said this when they accused him of being Satan for casting out demons. And he, he said, wisdom is known by its children. Otherwise, you'll know, it by, you'll know people by what they produce in their personal life. You'll know them by what they produce, not, not always in their public life, but what they produce in their personal life. Look at their personal lives, and their personal life is a reflection of those beliefs. We have to be a people that take strong stands. I quoted Dietrich Bonhoeffer, or a friend of mine, actually, I quoted it Tuesday in the staff meeting. A friend of mine here at church sent me what he said. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was the one pastor, one of the, one of the very few pastors that stood up to Adolf Hitler. I mean, publicly denounced him in the church, publicly denounced everything he stood for and all the evil he was committing, and he took a strong stand. Now, people in our country, people in our country that lack any courage would say, oh, he's political. Is that political? 62 million people dead? Six million slaughtered and in, 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 uh, 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 systematically slaughtered in concentration camps? How, some people, uh, they infuriate me how cowardly they are, how ignorant they are, how self-righteous they are. They act like they're so religious when they, they stay away from politics. You know, what, you know what they really want to do? They want God to stay out of their personal life. Don't deal with their personal life. This is personal. If it's not personal to you, I don't, know who, I don't know who you serve. It's very personal to me. should be very personal to every Christian that has the Spirit of God living inside of them because it's personal to the Holy Spirit. God said it's murder. It's murder. Every time you read in the Bible, what precedes sacrificing their children and killing their, their babies, what precedes it is sexual sin. Y'all know that 98.5% of all abortions are out of sexual sin, not rape. Well, that's sexual sin too. Incest, that's, that's probably 1%. I, I think the stat is 1.5%, but I don't quite believe the rape stat. I believe it's probably about 1% of all abortions are from rape and incest. So that, that leaves 99% are because people are having sex outside of marriage. And most of those, very few of those, a very small percentage of those are married women. And the married women that are having abortions have horrible relationships at home. They're in sin in their marriage. They're in sin in their marriage. How do you know you're in sin in your marriage? Well, you don't have a good marriage. There's got to be sin in the camp, even if it's just selfishness. Selfishness is the biggest sin of all. That's what costs Satan, Lucifer. That's what costs people heaven, is selfishness. They think more of themselves than they do of God. Won't lay down their lives for God. They claim their life instead of lose their life to to Jesus and trust God that he has a destiny and a plan and that we're made special. People, we've we've got to get a little radical. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was radical. And they put him in a that he died in one of those concentration camps. He gave his life for what he believed in, and he wrote. If you've never read anything about him, get a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said every sermon, this friend of mine sent this to me last week, he said every sermon should have something radical in it. There should be something very radical about every sermon because Jesus was radical. He brought about radical change. He was radical in how he stood up to the authorities and the religious people. He was radical. What he taught was radical. What God teaches is radical. Sexual sin has caused the abortions in our nation. People want to justify it, want to condone it, and they don't want to pay the price for having sexual sin. They constantly don't want to pay the price. But guess what? Galatians says that God is not mocked. They will pay a price. Without repentance, there can be no reconciliation with God. And, they will, and without repentance, that will change, will heart change towards God in His Word, they will pay a heavy, heavy toll. Heavy toll. Watch what happens in our state. Watch what happens in our nation. I, I'm still dumbfounded by people that believe so much in killing babies that they would, they would elect somebody in a group of people up in Santa Fe, in our House and Senate that keep us at 50th in everything we want to be first in, at first in everything. How, how, how ignorant do you have to be to continue to do that? And I'm calling on Steve Pierce. This is going out. I'm calling Steve Pierce as the head of the Republican Party. He's lost every election. They lose every single time. They're playing games. And if he had any integrity at all, he would resign from that office. Any integrity at all. It takes it takes very little integrity to say, I've lost on such high levels over the last six years, I need to resign. Just takes a little integrity, Steve Pierce. I already called the Republican Party headquarters. A friend of mine called, I said, send me the number. And I I asked for his resignation. It's time we take some stands. I can't believe that we won such poor candidates. And I, did, I was not a big Mark Ronchetti fan. Not at all. Doesn't shock me one bit. He lost. I knew he was going to lose. He doesn't carry our heart. He's, he's not passionate about what he believes. He just wants to play games and politics. We, we need to have enough of that on both sides of the aisle. We need people that passionately carry our core values. God, family, country. In that order. And we need to be we need to be people that take stands. We need more people to run for office in our city. We take over the city council. We need to win back the mayoralship in our city and get a somebody who loves Jesus in that office. We need we need radical Christians to run. I mean, that they love Jesus. They're willing to lay down their life for the cause of Christ and to help and love people, not people that want to play political games with our lives. We need people at the national level, the state level, and the local level. Thank God we had two of our own wins. Sheriff Harrington won another four years as our sheriff. And Lieutenant James Mason won. He's our new magistrate judge, praise God. That's what we need, people that are qualified, articulate, willing to work their butts off to win an election. There's a lot of people that come to me, I want to run, I want to run, and quite frankly, most of them aren't qualified to run. I'm just serious. They, they want an office, they want a title, and they want me and you to make them, to put them in an office and give them a title. That's not how it works. You have to be qualified. Lieutenant Mason, Sh- Sheriff Harrington was qualified to be the sheriff. He'd been in that office for 27 years as a deputy sheriff. Lieutenant Mason knows the law backwards and forwards. He's qualified to be a magistrate judge. We need people that are qualified, articulate, and most of all, they passionately love Jesus Christ with a passion. And they love Jesus without excuse and without apology. We have so many people today that apologize for loving Jesus. I love Jesus without apology. He loved me without apology. He was publicly crucified without apology. And we need to be Christians without a... Po- I don't apologize for being a Christian. I don't apologize for being a pastor. I don't apologize for loving God's Word and wanting to obey God's Word. I don't apologize for encouraging you to do the same thing and for calling out these leaders. I believe God put, puts people in, in, in these situations that have a pulpit like mine for, for such a time as this. And I'm calling people out to run and calling people out to be qualified. You, if you can't, if you aren't already leading people, don't come to me and ask me to run for an office. Because if you're not already leading, then I, I'm not going to promote you. We need people that are already leading, know how to lead, and make know how to make it happen. Then the rest of us just get on their team. I said the rest of us just get on their team and vote for them and encourage them, help them run for office, give them hundred bucks for their campaign. You'd be shocked how many times if, you give, if everybody gave 50 bucks. or You've got to put your money where your mouth is. There's no campaign I haven't supported personally financially. Supported James Mason financially personally. Supported Sheriff personally. Supported Rebecca Dow personally. I, anybody that I believe in, I put my personal money where my mouth is. It's not a ton of money, but every little bit helps. We've got to put our money where our mouth is. We got to show up and vote. I said we have to show up and vote. I think our last election, we had 19% of eligible voters in Chavez County vote. 52% in this this election. Guys, we have over 5,000 abortions a year in our state that we know of. You think, well, that's a low number. What's well, almost a million in America every year. That doesn't... It's like 800 and something thousand a year, but that doesn't include the abortion pill and all the other ways that, that you can abort your child today. It's grievous to me. They shut down our whole nation for two years. For less people, there's 62 million babies that have been killed since they've enacted Roe versus Wade. 62 million in counting. It'll be 63 by the end of this year. God's not, we're not waiting on God, church family. God's waiting on us. He's waiting on us. Let's be the people he doesn't have to wait on any longer. Let's rise up and be counted. Let's vote. Let's let's encourage people to run. Let's support people who run. Let's put our money where our mouth is, our time and effort where our mouth is. Let's show up when we need to show up. Let's do the right things. You can say, well, pastor, I got a lot of other personal issues. Well, you know what? You know how I care about those. And church family, we have to get our acts together personally. Because when your act isn't together personally, you're so distracted by your personal life being so out of control that it's hard to think bigger. It's hard to dream. It's hard to dream the dreams that God has for you. It's hard to think bigger. So many people hold their life back with God. God has a dream for you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. But most, I'd say this, the majority of people are going to die without ever knowing it. Why? Because they can't get their personal life in order. God's not going to show you this big dream when you can't even get your personal, you can't even control you. You can't, you can't control everybody around you, but you can't even control you. You can't even lead your own household. You can't even, you can't get your, that doesn't mean you don't have any problems. Everybody's got problems, but you deal with them. You're capable of dealing with them and overcoming them and facing them. Doesn't mean you don't have any. You just deal with them. You're mature. You're grown up. It doesn't even mean that you deal with them all perfectly. But you deal with them. You face them. You overcome them. So that we can, then God can trust you with the dream he has for your life. And then you'll see the bigger picture of what's going on in our nation. Guys, this is flat out. The spirit of the living God versus the spirit of the Antichrist. Point blank. And more people voted for the Antichrist than they did for Jesus in our nation. And definitely in our state. We've got to turn that around. We have to make some changes. We have to do some things that are radical. You know, God put it in my heart. He put it in my heart at at, uh, uh, the men's conference. I was talking to Pastor Tim, and we had a conversation, and he put it in my heart to walk all the way around Roswell. It's 34 miles, something like that, around Roswell. We've already charted it out, and that's what we're going to do on Saturday. And we broke it up into five-mile segments so that if we don't make it all completely around it, everybody can at least walk five miles and pray. You'll have about 60 prayers to pray in that hour, 40 minutes or so that you're walking two hours it will take you to walk that five miles. You'll have 60 prayers. We're gonna pray for the lost in our families and in our city. That's the first thing we're gonna do. We're gonna pray for those that are sick. No, next we're gonna pray for families, for marriages and for families. The, second, the third thing we're gonna do is pray for that people are healed. And the fourth thing we're gonna pray is that God blesses the finances of his people so that we can make a difference with our finances. We're gonna pray for those four things as we march around our city. Well, Pastor Troy, will that do any good? You know what? I believe by the spirit of God, by the spirit of faith, that it's gonna make a difference. I believe it. I believe it'll make a difference. We have the prayer walk. We have five mile increments. Group one and two will start at 5 a.m. We'll start here at 5 a.m., move out, uh, down Sunset, we'll take by bus. Drop the people off at 5:30. It's going to be early. It's going to be cold. It's going to be 29. I think the high that day is. Uh, I don't know if it gets in the maybe the 50s by three or four, but we'll be done by then. So it's going to be cold. So dress in layers. Dress warm. Wear don't wear flats or high heels or anything silly. Men don't wear don't wear sandals or something like that. Put on. Get some good running, walking shoes to, to do it. I know that sounds silly, but I know people. I, I just I don't want anybody to get hurt. I don't want anybody to be, get damaged as a result of this. I want it to be a good thing. So you know, wear some sensible shoes. You know, dress in layers. Dress warm. We'll have water. You know, driving along with us. So you don't don't take water. You don't carry a water bottle. We've, we'll have we'll provide you with water and different things like that. Uh, there's a group of us that are going to try to walk the whole the whole thing. Uh, don't know if we'll make it, but we're going to do it. It'll be about 12 hours, 10 to 12 hours. And so uh, you're going to have to walk at the slowest pace of the person with you because I want all the groups to stay together because I don't want to scatter it out because we have, we have like pace cars you know, traveling with us so that we're protected. and People know we're on that highway, right? Even though we're going to be off the road, Uh, we're going to have people following us to to try to keep it as safe as we possibly can. So you're going to, you don't just get in there and you're a speed walker every day and you're just, you know, get up there and, you know, walk like that. Listen, you're going to have to walk at the slowest. You're going to have to walk at the pace of the slowest person in your group so that we can stay together. I'm trying to walk the whole thing, so I'm going to be I'm going to be meandering. I'm going to be walking slower than I normally do. I usually walk pretty fast. But I'm going to be walking slow because I'm going to try to walk the whole thing. So if you're in that first group or whatever other group that I'm in, that you're going to have to walk my pace. So, um, so group 1 and 2, 5 a.m., group 3 and 4, 6 a.m., group 5 and 6, 9 a.m. That's for all the ones that are like, I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. The 9 a.m. is one for you. You still got to get up on Saturday. No children under the age of 12. You guys, we're going to be on highways and roads, and I don't want to. I don't want to have. I don't want to have to be looking out for little kids and in watching them. So you know, if you're twelve or thirteen year old, is not real mature. Please don't bring them. Don't bring any babies to push in a cart. You know, or to, not a cart, but a, a buggy or whatever it's called. I don't have any babies anymore. I don't know all the terminology anymore. And so uh, please don't do that because we don't want you walking out there with us. Uh, if, you have, if you can't make it, we'll post all these online. If you'll give us your cell phone number and stuff, we'll send you the prayers and you can pray. We're going to have the church open too that people can come and pray and pray all those prayers with us if you can't walk. so you, Or you can sit at home and you can get them on your phone if you'll go sign up and say, send me the prayers. Uh, we'll send them all to you, and you can stay at home and pray. You can p- sleep in all morning and get up at 10 or 11 or 12 or 1 and pray. But we just want people to pray. And I believe that there's something about Jesus, the, the Bible, constantly saying, you know, we walk by faith. We walk by faith. There's something about walking things out that makes a difference. And, guys, I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to face God. And not say, God, I did everything I could possibly, I did every radical move, I did everything I possibly could do to reach people for your kingdom. I'm going to face him and say, God, I, I took every stand I believe you wanted me to take. I did everything you wanted me to do. I spoke out on issues. I took risks. I took the heat from people texting me constantly, bad-mouthing my family and accusing us of a bunch of lies and a bunch of garbage. I don't know, some of you saw that on the sheriff's deal that supposedly one of my sons was pulled over for a DUI and the sheriff took care of it. Listen, first of all, not one of my children has ever been pulled over for a DUI. Not one, not one. And I've never asked Sheriff Harrington for any favors. Not one personal favor, ever. And so all that stuff is... Uh, is people that just hate the church, hate the fact that we supported uh, uh, the sheriff's department, and we support the police department, and we support the fire department, and we support the homeless shelter, and we give monthly to—they don't recognize us for some reason—but to the the soup kitchen here in town. I mean, guys, we we've given away over four million dollars, and so, guys, we 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 bless this community. I've never asked any of them for a personal favor. There's no strings attached to our giving. None. No political strings, no strings at all. We don't ask anybody for anything when we give. We've given to the woman's shelter. We delivered a check for $5,000 again just a few months ago to them. We've given them $5,000 the last several years. Guys, we, that's what we do. That's what Church on the Move does. What's what Christians do. That's not me giving those checks. That's us giving those checks. That's what we do together. So, Pastor, let's talk about walking. So we're going to talk about this. I want you to first go with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans 8, verse 28. And, you know, even though my heart is sad and, and frustrated in a lot of ways, uh, I never, I'm never going to let my anger get me to sin. The Bible says be angry, but sin not. And so I've had to talk myself out of a lot of things over the last 24 hours. Um, and so, uh, because it, it, it does anger me. It frustrates me, the apathy of people in our state, that, in that we would continue to vote in people that have run our state to the, the bottom of the list. I just don't even, I can't even comprehend that, why people would do that. But this is what I do know. Uh, Romans 8 verse 28, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. God said he'll turn all things around for our good, every detail of our life. So I don't know what, I don't see the good of this on the surface of it, but I know that it's going to cause me to grow closer to God. That'll be one good Because I'm pressing in. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not moving out of New Mexico. I'm not moving out of Roswell. I'm not quitting on this state. I'm not quitting on your families. I'm not quitting. That fires me up. I'm going to press in more. That's what we should all do. We should pray more, read more, do more. We should do do more kind acts, more good works. We got to do more, not less. This is what I texted to some of my, some people. I said, if Satan wants a fight, well, he found some fighters. Bring it on. We're going to fight this out. He wants to fight for those babies' lives. Bring it on. We're going to fight for those babies' lives. He thinks we're going to back down. He's sadly mistaken. We serve the almighty God who said if he be for us, who could be against us? And so we're not going to back down. We're going to stand up. We're not going to quit doing stuff. We're going to do more than we've ever done. More than we've ever done. And we're going to continue to do that. Now, I want to read to you from Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to read to you from Joshua chapter 6 because this has to do with walls. It has to do with the walls of Jericho. And I'm going to explain some things about this. I'm going to give you seven things about walls. But let's start in Joshua, actually, let's start in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. It says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. You know, God's a warrior. He sent a warrior. Joshua looks up, and there's a a man standing there with a sword in his hand. God's a warrior. That's what I love about him. He said, and his, and his sword was drawn. It wasn't in his scaffold. He wasn't laying on the ground. His sword was out, ready to fight. And he, he said, and Joshua went unto him and said unto him, art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, nay. Otherwise, he said, I'm not for either one of you. The question is never, never, if God is for us, the question is always, are we for God? The question is always on whose side are we on? This angel was on God's side, period. And so he said, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, now you notice this isn't an angel. The captain of the host of heaven is Jesus. This is Jesus. Jesus has always existed. Always. Always. You notice, this is how you know it's Jesus, because he fell and worshiped. He fell and worshiped him and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Now, any time that people would fall and worship angels, the angels would say, Stop, 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 stand up, stop that. They would not receive the worship. Angels don't receive worship. They know who worships for, for God and God alone. That's why you know this is Jesus, because he didn't stop him. And he called him Lord, capital L-O-R-D. And so this is Jesus. Jesus has always been for us. He said, and the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Does this sound familiar? Same thing that happened with Moses, Right? Now Jericho, this is chapter 6, verse 1, was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Otherwise, they shut their gates. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thee thy hand, Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And you shall compass the city, and all you men of war, and go around about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days." And and seven priests shall bell before the ark, seven trumpets of ram's horns. And in the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. Not, uh, okay. No, no. Ah! Victory shout. The trumpets were a sign of victory. I want to tell you a couple things about Jericho. Jericho is the gateway to the promised land. They had to go by Jericho or through Jericho to get to the promised land. Sometimes you have walls in your life that until you feed them, you can't get to the blessings. You have to break down, the the walls have to come down to get you, it's the gateway. A lot of times these obstacles in our way are sent by Satan uh, to distract us, to defeat us, to intimidate us, and Jericho was a very intimidating city. Its walls were massive. I saw the walls that the Romans built. I don't know how they ever got past those walls. They're 30, 40, 50, 60 feet high. They're 6 foot to 12 foot thick. No hallways, nothing. Just thick walls, and they're massive. They're massive. I don't I don't know how anybody ever got past them ever. And so that's the walls of Jericho. The walls of Jericho were bigger than the walls I saw. They had chariot races on the walls of Jericho. They were, there's no telling how thick they were. 30 feet thick. I don't know. They're massive. But Jericho was the gateway to the promise. A lot of times the walls in our lives, that Satan puts them there uh, to to defeat us, distract us, discourage us, but God will take us to places. My wife said when she preached at the the women's conference that uh, Goliath wasn't sent to David to defeat him. Goliath was sent to promote him. Whether they realize it or not, whether the people of the children of Israel realized it or not, Jericho was a promotion. Sometimes the walls that come in your life, when you when you defeat them, when you overcome them, they create a promotion for you. And you don't get to the promised land, you don't get to the blessings of God until you take down those walls. And it takes it takes a certain amount of of faith and obedience. We're going to talk about that to get to those walls to fall. Skip with me to verse twenty. It says, so the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpet, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. They have found ruins. I've heard different stories about the walls of Jericho. But the last one I heard is that, the, that when they found them, they were shoved straight in the ground. They didn't, like, run over rubble. Like, you know, it says they went straight in front of them. They didn't have to go around certain sections, didn't fall right, because these walls were so massive that if they just fell in rubble. They still would have to climb over them. They'd been still 20, 30, 40 feet high, maybe higher to, to get over they went over on flat. Those walls were shoved straight down in the ground by God. Straight down in the ground. So, what are the seven lessons we learn from this? Follow God even when it seems impossible. That's the first lesson. Follow God even when it seems those walls were impossible to breach. No army to ever breach the walls of Jericho. Follow God. Even when it looks impossible, follow God. Continue to do what God tells you to do. And trust God that when it's impossible, like I taught on Sunday, when it's impossible to you, it's always possible still to God. But you have to trust him. You have to believe that he will fight for you. You have to believe in his faithfulness to keep his word. And you have to lean on God and not on your own understanding. People that consistently lean on their own understanding, you know, they end up like James 1. They're like a wind, you know, like a reed tossed in the, the wind, you know, blown by the wind, or a wave tossed to and fro. They love God when it's a good day. They, they're they up and out, and everything's praise the Lord, and everything's great. And then the next day they're sad, and they go through these cycles of up and down. God said you should expect to receive nothing. You'll never bring down walls in your life with that attitude. you got to fix your heart on God and say, God, no matter how good, good day, bad day, worst day, worst day. Worser day, worstest day, my, my worst day serving you and knowing you and knowing I'm going to heaven is better than any day of my life. Number two, we need to listen when God speaks. A lot of times people don't spend enough time with God to hear them hear God speak, so they want God to speak to me about them or to, to a prophet about them or to their mama about them. Like, God, uh, Mom, what did God say? Uh, Dad, what did God say? Uh, what, you know, Pastor, what did God say? Do you hear God say anything? Listen, God wants to speak to you. But you've got to take time and wait on him you got to go spend some time with him. you got to spend time not doing all the talking. Sometimes you just got to sit in silence. Say, God, I'm just, I'm just waiting for you to speak to me. He said, those who are his children know the voice of the shepherd. You'll know his voice as opposed to any of the other voices that are going on in your head. The Bible says you'll know his voice when he speaks. I know his voice. It's very distinct. It's very distinct. It's not my voice. It's not my head voice. I can tell when he's speaking. I know when I'm speaking, I know when he's speaking. It has a totally different tone to it. First of all, it has a lot more authority than my own head voice does. But it has just a different tone. And and you know how I got to learn that? I would go, I would pray and I'd say, God, you said that, that if I loved you, that if I served you, that if you were my shepherd, that I would know the voice of my shepherd, the voice of a stranger, I will not listen to or follow. So I believe you. I have faith in that scripture that when I believe I hear your voice and act on it, it is you. And you know how else you know it's his voice? He always speaks the word. He'll never tell you anything that you can't find in the Bible. Every single time. He'll, he'll give you two, three, four scriptures on it. Or you'll find two or three, four scriptures. You Don't ever believe something and act on something that you can't prove out in the word. The, Holy, the voice of God and the word of God are All one. They never contradict each other. Number three. These are good. Oh, gosh. God is purposeful. God had a plan. He knew exactly where they were going to cross the Jordan and exactly which city they were going to face. And he had a perfect plan for Joshua and the children of Israel. God always has a plan, but you have to take time to get the plan. God always has a plan. Don't think you, I'm talking to the littlest detail. If you'll ask God about it, he'll speak to you about it. Sometimes he'll say to you, you will say, God, what about this? He'll say, do what you want to do there. You're like, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. I just want to do what you want to do. And he'll say, no, I want you to do what you want to do there. And i would be like, well, but God, I, I just want to do what you want to do. No, I, I want. we have this conversation. No, I want you to do what you do there. Try, listen, just do what you want to do there. It's okay. I know, you know, and then I realized in that conversation, he already knows what I'm going to do. So he knows it's okay. That's why he tells me, just do what you want to do. He knows I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'll just do what I, what's in my heart to do because you told me to do that and you know what I'm going to do and it must be right. But you, but you need to have those kind of meaningful conversations and they'll be significant. God will give you significant things. Man, if you're going through, you're facing a wall, man, you need to talk to God. Joshua talked to God. He said he lifted up his eyes. God, Joseph, Joshua was looking for God. He, was look, he lifted up his eyes. He was looking for God to do something, and he found him, and he found him. Number four, the outcome might, might not be instant. They had to camp out. They had to walk around that city for six times in a circle. Then the last time they have to walk about it seven times. I mean they they just had to do life. They walked, they gathered together, put on all their armor, got in formation, walked around the city, you know, said dismissed, and they went back to their camp and ate lunch or breakfast or what I don't know how long it took to get around the, the walls of Jericho, but it wasn't an all-day thing. And so they just camped and they waited on God. Very few outcomes are instantaneous. Isaiah said, Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Waiting deepens our faith. Waiting matures us. Waiting builds our endurance. Waiting on God, but like I referenced James 1, you can't wait on Him going this way and that way and this direction and that direction. One day you're you believe he's going to do it one day you're not you got to get convinced that god is a god of his word you got to be convinced that his word is true and for you and you got to stand on it and you got to fight off those attacks that will try to cause you it's it's easy to waver everybody's done it but you got to fight through that if you ever want to see those walls come down i want us to go out saturday with a spirit of faith that what we pray will come to pass And it might take time. We might see some instant results. But it might take time. But we need to believe, God, that what we do Saturday will be significant in the history of the city of Roswell in this whole valley. From Artesia to Dexter to Hagerman, Lake Arthur. It will be significant what we do Saturday. That our prayers will make a difference. Otherwise, what's the point of showing up? Unless you just want to take a freezing cold early morning walk. Number five, we need God. Without his power, nothing's gonna happen significant. We have to have his power to win the battles. We have to have his power to learn to love him and love others, and we have to have his power to leave a lasting impact on this world. I want us to leave a lasting impact, generational impact. I hope you do too. But it's going to take God's power to do those three things, to win battles, to learn to love, and to leave a lasting impact. Number six, I'm getting through this quickly. Obedience matters. You notice they were very obedient. Living God's way instead of your own way, that, that's the difference maker. Jesus said this, if you love me, you'll obey me. But he said this too. He said, if you say you love me and don't obey me, you're a liar. That's Jesus. That's just, he just point blank said it. Here's the truth. People don't realize that Jesus was straightforward. He spoke the word and he said, he meant, meant what he said and said what he meant. If you don't obey him, but you say you love him, you're a liar. That's why I don't believe a lot of these people say, I'm a Christian, but I never see him stand up for anything. I never see him stand up. I never, they don't give anything. They don't tithe. They don't give. They don't serve. They don't. I'm like, I don't believe you. I don't believe it. The Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. Your fruit says you're not a Christian. You don't overcome anything. You fall apart at every level. You never take a stand. You don't fight. You don't overcome your own personal struggles. Man, if you know Jesus and you love him and you press in, I listen, no one can tell me you can't overcome multiple addictions. I had multiple addictions. No one can tell me that God's not powerful enough to do it. Nobody. It's too late. I've already experienced it. And no one can tell me, well, Pastor Troy, you're just maybe stronger than others, or this, or that, or you're this or God doesn't love me anymore than He does you. He loves us all the same. You have the same Holy Spirit, the same love, and the same power of God's word as I do. <laughs> Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says this. If you'll be obedient to God's word, he'll bless you. You want to walk in the blessings of God, you have to learn to be obedient. Joshua was obedient and the walls came down. When you learn to be obedient, the walls will come down. Last one, number seven, what God says he will do. He promised the children of Israel 40 years before that, but because of their own sin, they delayed it. But God never forgets a promise. Let me say this, God never forgets a promise. He never forgets a promise he made, never, never. It might take some time, but he never forgets it. I'll never forget. Julie and I were in a meeting—a very small meeting. It's only probably twenty of us or so with Joel Osteen. And I, I you know, people have different thoughts about him. I know he doesn't stand up for a lot of things, and I, I, totally disapprove of that. But what he said in this meeting was accurate. He said, "Are any of you?" He's weeping very heavily; he could hardly speak. He said, "Will any of you be, be a, um, John Osteen, so one of your children can be Joel Osteen?" He was talking about his dad, Pastor O's His dad was a fire breather, man. Nothing like Joel. And so, but he said, will any of you be willing to pay a price so that this next generation could have something more? I hope we're those people. I hope we're those people that though we might not all walk in all the promises of God, but that our children will walk in them. We might not see all the walls come down when we walk on Saturday, but our children will see them come down because we walked on Saturday. Because we stood and prayed. Next year, I'm going to embark on something even more radical than this. It's the most radical thing I've ever done. Get ready, church. I just, man, when Satan draws a line, I step over it. Step over it with me. He's drawn a line. Let's step over it together. Say, man, you want to challenge us? Okay. We're the body of Christ. We serve God Almighty. We're the children. We're the blood-bought children of the Most High God. And you can't beat us. You can't beat us. You can't beat us. Listen, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I said a lot tonight. Men, meant every word of it. Listen, I don't claim to be perfect. I don't claim to have all the answers. No one in this room that has any humility at all would ever claim that. But I do have one answer. There's one thing I do know. That when you really sincerely accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you, you will be changed for the good. I can't even say good. Good's not good enough. Your life will be radically changed for the better. If you really mean it, you'll never be the same. Never be the same person. From day one, I wasn't the same. I did some of the same things, but I wasn't the same. It took me years to overcome all the addictions in my life, but I overcame every one of them. And I was on my way the first day. I knew Jesus could help me. And I gave him my life. And so many in people in this room have done the same thing. They can testify to you. They can literally give you a testimony, a legal testimony that would hold up in court. Of the difference that the lordship of Jesus, the love of God entering your life through the Holy Spirit makes, makes in someone's life. They can testify of the blessings they walk in because God has taught them obedience to His Word. They can testify to the families they've built, not perfect families, but families that are making a difference, families that count, families that love together, live together, cry together, laugh together, lose together and win together. Family. Family. If you're in here right now, you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life. What does that mean to know Him as Lord? That means your life is no longer yours. You don't, it doesn't belong to you anymore. That you give it to Him by ch- your choice. By your choice. He's not going to make you. He's not a two-bit dictator to try to force you. He's offering you that. He's offering you to be the Lord of your life. He's offering to be your Savior. He's offering to rescue you from from sin's tyranny and control over your life right now. And sin's sentence to eternal death in the next life. He's offering you, you to save you from that. That you'll be free in this life. Free to choose right and wrong. Free to overcome. Free to make a difference. Free to really love and know what that feels like and what that means. Free to live the dream that God created you to live. Free. And you'll be free to go to heaven for eternity when you die. But it's your choice. If you've never prayed, we want to pray with you right now. Whether you're watching online tonight or next week or whenever it is, we want to pray with you. In this room, we want to pray with you right now. There's no time like right now. Right now is the time. Right now is the time. If you need to pray again, you've known Him and walked away, right now is the time. So whether it's your first time or your next time, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, It's me. I need to get right with God. Then put that hand down. And right where you're seated, we're going to pray. Online, I'm going to ask you right now, send us a message. I'm praying for the first time or the next time. Send us that message right now. In this room. Um, Three, raise your hand and say, I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to give Jesus my life. And trust Him that He has a better plan than I do. That He really is God. And really does love me. One, two, three. Just raise your hand and say, I'm going to get right with God. Awesome. Let's all pray. Come on, let's pray. Say this. Say, God. Everybody pray with them. God. I believe in you, that you are God and God alone, that you sent Jesus because you love us. You love me. We were lost. You came to save us. And Jesus died on the cross for my sins. You raised him from the dead and defeated sends power to control me in this life. He came to give me freedom and to live with you in heaven forever. That's why you raised him from the dead. For me. I believe that. And because I do, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And I receive right now your full forgiveness I'm forgiven and I say to you Jesus you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life I lay down my life as you lay down your life for me I give my life to you fill me full of the Holy Spirit and teach me how to love the way you love how to walk the way you walk, how to talk the way you talk, how to live the way you live and live out the destiny and purpose you created me for. Thank you for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it, amen. Come on, church. Let's thank God. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.